This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guests this week are interior designer Alexandra Champalimau and the CEO of Alexandra's firm, Ed Bacos. Over the course of almost 40 years, the name Champalimau has become synonymous with exceptional hospitality design. The firm has worked on the finest hotels in the world, from the Plaza in New York to the Bel Air in Los Angeles to the recently completed Raffles in Singapore. I chatted with Alexandra and Ed about bringing a hospitality approach to residential design, the surprising way that Zoom meetings are making designers more creative, and why it's important to react, not overreact, to the coronavirus pandemic. This podcast has been sponsored by BuildLane. Calling all interior designers. If sourcing custom furniture were as easy as uploading your designs and having a factory build it in six to eight weeks, would you be interested? BuildLane is making it that easy. Their factories are up and running, delivering quality that's designer grade. And best of all, you're connected live to the people making your furniture via your online dashboard. Pricing is competitive, shop drawings are free, and the BuildLane team handles white glove shipping. Designing from a distance has never been more relevant. Discover why last year more than 600 interior designers used BuildLane for their custom furniture needs by creating your free account at buildlane.com boh and receive $250 off your first order. That's buildlane.com boh. This podcast has also been sponsored by Industry West. We know it can be tough to find really great modern furniture and decor that's affordable, feels as good as it looks, and just generally makes you happy. Industry West believes that buying good design should be inspiring, fun, and easy. From dining and lounge chairs to sofas and end tables and more, Industry West offers high-quality products and goes to great lengths to ensure customer happiness. They also offer an amazing trade program, providing industry-best warranty and lead times. So if you're interested in surrounding yourself with killer design that can make even your highest traffic rooms feel like a getaway, visit industrywest.com. And now, on with the show. Alexandra, I wanted to, to take us back a, a little bit to the, to the early days for you. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit of your, of your story coming over from, from Portugal as a, as a young woman. Um, I am, um, it was 1975 and I left Portugal for, with my husband and a child because there was a revolution in Portugal at that time. I ended up in Canada, in Montreal, and there people could not have been nicer. Um, I was, I slowly but surely made friends, found a job through the yellow pages. I never thought I was going to work so hard, but ever since, I haven't stopped since that day. It was a small, I, wo- I worked for a small design company and eventually started on my own four years later. I did some residential and went into doing hotels. My first hotel was not a very glamorous one. The second one was the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, which is right in the, at the heart of Montreal. And I started doing a number of very large renovations. Eventually, I was uh, able to... Um, enter into international competitions. I won a few, and one of which brought me to New York City. Um, That was the Drake Hotel in New York City on Park Avenue. I won that project. 
And then after that came the Algonquin and uh, the Carlisle. And I can't begin to say after that, it was just an enormous amount of... Um, a, a, the, a long list of some of the world's finest well, hotels, you know, Yes, yes. yes. With the, the Bel Air, yeah. the Waldorf Astoria, and finally the Raffles. That's a very quick synopsis of a very long <laughs> long story <laughs> of a long and illustrious career yes yeah. yes indeed and, and, and i want to talk about the raffles hotel uh shortly uh but I, but i want to um i want to better understand first from from you um was it was it always your intention to to work in in hospitality or or did the the roads just lead you down that that path the roads led me down that path in in montreal business in in the 70s and 80s was not very strong and there were uh, tourism was a, a big thing and so there were companies investing in hotels that was my opportunity then um, and i found that i preferred them in many ways they're much more sort of well structured and organized and easier to work with um, even though a greater volume, I could always count on a schedule and delivery dates, which I like and, you know, partners agree to. And it's quite a much more of a realistic way to earn a living and to run a, bit, a small business, which is what I had then. Right, right. Uh, and, and, and how big was your firm when you mentioned earlier about the Drake and the Algonquin ultimately bringing you to New York? How, how big was your firm at that time? I think I had 15 people, no more. Um, and, um, and then when in the Algonquin, the beginning times of in, in, in New York, I think we were four or five people. And, um, and that was um, a lot at the time, but as <laughs> time went on, it, uh, it did grow. And um, there's nothing like the United States in, in terms of the opportunities that are uh, put in front of you, in fact. Um, extraordinary the momentum that one can have if one's lucky enough to be well positioned and and have some sort of success which I did have early on so I was very well received in this country and eventually around the world I've been very very fortunate. Uh, Alexander you're very modest I remember <laughs> shortly after I first joined we got a call from an auction house up in Montreal and they were they asked this question so well we have the furniture that Alexandra designed for Pierre Trudeau and we're going to put it up for auction would you mind if we link to your website I was like Pierre Trudeau Alex when did you do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't even mention it <laughs> well you know I didn't have a big PR sort of a PR uh, department in my office. It was all me. So I tend to forget, forget the essentials, like the due date on some drawings. Or, and, and what mattered was keeping my name. I, I, I had two sons that I was bringing up on my own at that point. And, and, and it was just important that I keep a roof over my head and um, maintain a very good reputation. And that combination and um, and of course, eventually finding Ed, it's all been very, very, very fortunate. Really. That's when your that's when your luck really changed for the better. When Ed I, came I, into your life, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all been luck, Ed. You know, you just happen to show up at the right time. <laughs> well, so so let let's talk about that a little bit. So about so about seven and a half years ago, Ed Ed comes on board uh, from from a little known firm, uh, the Rockwell Group, where he had been for. 
about 18 years. Is that right, Ed? Yeah, yeah. Had a wonderful uh, experience there, and that was a was a principal uh, leading a design studio there, and um, Alexandra had reached out to me, and the idea of um, I, I had had a wonderful start working on. Uh, hospitality at the Rockwell Group. You know, a lot of her interesting firsts. My first hotel was the first W Hotel, and we always felt that there was a lot of room for innovation in hotels in general. But one of the areas that struck me that was ripe for innovation in some way was the luxury sector, and this was an area that that Alexandra was was well tied into. So the prospect of joining and and entering a slightly different playground was something that was tremendously interesting to me. Originally you came on as the as the managing director. I know you've I know you've since been elevated to the to the role of CEO and we'll we'll talk about that. But Alexandra, what what were you thinking at the at the time you were wanted uh, from from bringing someone like Ed on board at the at the firm? I was looking for more peace of mind to be honest. It mm. was quite a, a, a larger company and um, he was of course very talented but mostly he was very calm and he was very ambitious sure i mean to some degree life is too short to not work to not spend your time working on something where you think that you can make a difference and where in the one thing one of the things that we really shared was this idea that we wanted to create the works that we could really be proud of in our lifetime and uh, so that was really the fuel for our growth strategies. We started thinking about what's the kind of creative collective that we wanted to curate in order to be able to achieve that vision. So tell me, tell me more about that. Tell me more about the, the, the growth strategy and, and sort of what you were imagining. Well, I think when we when I joined, we were twenty something people, and um, so part of the the goal to getting to the, the clients that we wanted to be able to get to and communicate to the, to, to, to win the projects that we needed to be able to win to achieve our vision was required a certain amount of uh, structure in certain places and less structure in others. And so one of the things that we did was simply um, became a little bit more sensitive to how are we going to connect to the people that we uh, that would be so important to our future. And the best part was that we had a stellar reputation uh, that Alexandra had, had and, and the team had built o- over the years through you know, patiently um, working with our clients, partnering with them to, to, to build that reputation. So we're well known in the hospitality world. Um, and part of our strategy was to um, let the world know that we could take on other things outside of that sort of central sphere, yeah. but bring our sort of DNA and our, our sort of um, point of view about how one might live to a broader array of projects. Internally, we also uh, began a, a transformation. The, the, uh, the office was organized into what we called a group of studios, but they're really small teams. And each one was um, a series of silos, and in effect, and mm. and what we decided to do was to implement a series of changes in terms of how we think about that. And rather than see ourselves as a small group that's subdivided, was to come together 
around something that we called One Studio. And it was more of the idea of this creative collective. When I had first started, we were actually in a series of small, four small office compartments within a, a small office building. I see. And so we were physically compartmentalized. Uh, as we came together physically under one in, into one space, it really assisted with that aspect of our transition. I think it meant for us an ability to grow this kind of mosaic of talent and bring in new talent as we as we started to grow. So with that, as we as we grew, we also began to expand the types of projects that we we're taking on. From just you know, initially, many of our projects were the design of guest rooms within a hotel, and eventually we found that we we're designing full public spaces. And the Raffles Hotel was really the first project that we won, where we won the whole thing in such a seminal project, the, the food and beverage components, as well as the public space and the guest rooms, uh, you know, in, in a hotel that was, was part of a kind of urban campus. And so it was a real chance for us to spread our wings and um, show the world sort of what we were capable of doing. And that was a project that, that lasted uh, five or six years, do I understand, for, for, for you guys? That's right. It was a long haul. A lot of trips back and forth to <laughs> Singapore, which happens to be on the other side of the planet. Yes, it's, it's, not, it's, not, a short, it's not a short journey. Well, and, and just last fall, you were, you were all there together at the, at the ribbon cutting and, and, and this sort of splendid reopening of the, of the hotel. T- tell me what that, what that felt like and, and tell me what you had done. It was really wonderful, um, mostly because the project was beautiful. The clients were particularly ecstatic about it. Um, guests and returning guests, the public at large, took to it immediately, made me enormously proud. I, I, I must say, one of our abilities and what I have really find, find very important is that we, are, we have created a culture in Champalimo um, and there's more to come. There's a richness about speaking languages, uh, traveling, learning, appreciating other people's cultures, how they how they interact, what their values are. And I think that's one of the important parts of our own internal culture. I think we have something like 14 languages spoken within the studio. So we have a, there is a sense of uh, diversity and we're united really by our passion and interest in design. In many ways, the practice that we've built is a global one as we've worked to cherry pick out that, you know, the special projects that we're after. but that's also meant that we've had to become really good communicators uh, with teams of uh, associate firms and you know, uh, clients who may not have, you know, English as their first language. So being good listeners to try to ferret out when things might, when they might be trying to tell us things that we might not otherwise hear. And those have been interestingly like very good skills as we've had to transition to work <laughs> from to home call upon some of those skills today <laughs> yeah yes. we're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about build lane designers build lane makes it easy to source custom furniture you're connected live to the factories making your furniture and it's all online no more playing phone tag with vendors no more waiting for a shop to return your calls while clients get impatient using build lane you can simply log into your online dashboard and ask a question or check the status of your order at any time of the night or day. It's the future of design. It's Build Lane. 
to discover why last year more than 600 designers used BuildLane for their custom furniture needs, create your free account at buildlane.com boh and receive $250 off your first order. That's buildlane.com boh. And now, back to the show. Alexandra, I'm, I'm curious. You were uh, just saying earlier that there's, there's so much more to come and it seems as if you are sort of laying the groundwork with with elevating uh, several partners at the at the firm and uh, and, and and having Ed in the in the position that that he's in. Um, is is it all with a with an eye towards carrying this this firm on well into the future, uh, whether you are there full time or, or not? That's a very perceptive question, and the answer <laughs> is yes. <laughs> I am honored by the fact that young, younger people, incredible professionals, incredible creative people, some have gone and come back again. And it's been a complete joy to see the magnet that my, the, the studio is. I can only say I, I might have started this ball rolling, but others have taken it up and are doing their job extraordinarily well. Clearly, I'm still here and I still participate. Um, I do not bear the brunt of the work anymore. Um, I'm pleased about that, by the way. Um, you, are, but, you are pleased about that. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> um, I, am yes. I think I've reached that time and it's not that, that I'm not capable or not, don't want to. I seriously do. But, um, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. I want to talk about a couple of different things that Alexandra raised. There are projects abroad that you're that you're working on and i'm wondering uh, what what people are thinking right now i know you're working on on claridges for example uh, and and it sounds ed like some some other hotels have reached out to you during this time to perhaps mm-hmm. help them reinvent themselves a little bit during this time can you can you give me a little insight as to what's going on sure um we've been fortunate to have won some some work recently and our i think our international reputation and footprint has really helped that from um you know, a standpoint, not just from a business standpoint, but from sort of the emotional fortitude standpoint <laughs> that we all need to work through all this. Um, but uh, we're working on a project in, um, uh, we won, and I have to be careful about certain confidentiality of things that we have in place, but we won um, a project that is a really seminal hotel in the Middle East. Um, and uh, it's a very important project that uh, we're working on um, and it kind of a lovely opportunity to you know they're, they're seeing that right now is it is a time during which they want to really accelerate the work that they're doing and uh, take advantage of the of the slow downtime and so there's interesting challenges this is one of several projects that have sought to make the best out of this difficult situation and push forward. Um, the other project that we're doing is, is a well-known hotel in Geneva. And what's interesting is that um, we've traveled, been at both of these hotels personally, so we know them, but um, starting a project that you don't have you know, immediate access to uh, you know, has been a really interesting aspect. And so this, we've worked through on one project, a series of digital models so that we can actually walk through the space has been tremendously helpful in um, doing the work. 
It's also interesting because we have other projects that are finishing. And so the, you know, the punch list process where the contract is ready to turn the space over and someone has to walk through and you need to, you know, look, you know, and assess some of the defects or other things that have happened during the course of construction um, normally require site visits. We've been doing a tremendous amount of that digitally. And uh, so it, it's been very interesting to see how our work might change as we lean into the future. Yes. Well, so I want to talk about that because I, I know that when we were speaking the other day, Alexandra, I know you in particular were, were hesitant about making too many changes to your thinking about how we might all interact in, in, in public spaces in the future. And I wonder how we, how we do think about these big public lobbies and these, and these great spaces and how do we, how do we think about designing them in, in the future and what will be important? This is a very big question, clearly, and it needs to be answered in various ways. Um, but the, the nature that we are human beings and we have to stay alive and well is <laughs> the most important thing. And therefore, what we can bring to the table in terms of design to secure that and make sure that when, when we are working on the buildings that we are working on and the hotels we are working on, that we take into consideration this incredible point of view of, of complete health and wellness for the guest. But it is, it is something to be taken in carefully measured steps mm. because buildings have lobbies and restaurants. I believe versions of all of that are going to remain forever. We're long away from what will be a final result because I think we are learning things every single day and every week as it goes by. Attitude changes, our thinking develops. What we are not lacking is creativity. And therefore, we can work um, very comfortably on re resolutions to problems as they appear and has, as they need to be taken care of. And Ed, you were, you were starting to, to talk before about sort of... Uh, rethinking uh, how you're able to, to conduct work and, and some of these site visits that it turns out perhaps you don't need to be there in person, or at least not for now. Um, I imagine that there are a great many changes that you're envisioning to, to your office and, and to the way that you work. I wonder if you can share a, a little bit of what you're, what you're thinking at the moment. Sure. Well, I mean, organizationally, work from home has been a very um, interesting hurdle for all of us to um, figure out. And so not just the technical challenges of being where we are, but, um, you know, uh, adapting our communication strategies to be able to be successful and to try to um, kind of heighten the level of dialogue as we're working through things visually and ours is uh, as designers were incredibly articulate visually we're, we're maybe not always as articulate verbally as, as, as others might be and so the visual exchange of information is such a key part of what we need to do and so learning new ways of of working has been um, you know paramount to being able to do what we what we do as I think organizationally it's been it's been very interesting as well. I've just uh, I think that our transition towards the one studio sort of approach enabled a huge degree of flexibility and agility 
within our team structure that has allowed us to take on the new work that we've won, you know, in, in challenging times. And so I think that those are, you know, there's lots of different ways in which we've, um, had, you know, kind of worked to adapt or use the tools in front of us to work through this time. So Ed, Ed, help me understand that better. T- tell me how the, the, the one studio concept has led to this sort of greater agility, the ability to sort of take on these, these new projects now. Sure. Well, we're a studio. We're we're a group of you know around fifty people. So okay. we're, you know we're we're large enough that yes. we have you know sort of a depth of bench, but we're we're you know not large enough to be you know driven into different sort of creative silos and sort of way many offices are you know personality driven, you know, sort of cones of, of, you know, of, of, of workers. And so really our approach is that by bringing people with high degree of, you know, expertise and talent, being able to, you know, deploy our creative resources through the company, um, that flexibility um, would be very different if we were organized into silos as we've gone through things. It's something that makes staffing much more difficult because we have to work collaboratively through things like that. Um, but the benefits are, are, have been tremendous and, and I think very much apparent to me during this, this period. So when you say it makes staffing more difficult, tell, tell me what that means. Well, um, it, because of the collaborative aspect, if everyone controlled you know, a small number of people around them, it's much easier because you're in, because each person is in sole control mm. of you know, that little world. And um, I think part of our vision is, is working collaboratively requires a lot more coordination to move the parts. The, the things that we get from it is, uh, is that sort of agility and, and um, high, high focus on creativity. Yes, and, and Alexandra, you were, you were referencing the, the creativity as well. And I, and I wonder, is it, is it challenging right now for people to, to maintain their creativity or to, or to find inspiration at this, at this time, or is it harder? Personally, and I've heard from many others, and I can see the result, we are highly, highly, highly creative, almost more so than <laughs> when we are sitting in an office. And, and, and what do we attribute that to? Is that, is that a, a, a sort of a newfound freedom that we, that we have of not being in the office? Or it is, There's something about when, when you do a, even a Zoom call, there is a freedom of expression that can come across. People are potentially, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very afraid of very few things these days, in, particularly <laughs> in speaking out. But there might be others who, uh, in my presence normally uh, in a conference room, they might not want to be quite as involved. But when their job is to talk about X, X, Y, and Z of this project, they then do so, and they're obligated to do so. I think people feel that they have been set free in some ways. They can uh, they just find more depth, and they they have to find be, be more expressive to get their ideas put across yeah i think we you know we in general we strive for a very flat organization internally so that we can exchange ideas and alexandra's right in this format our people are just very comfortable exchanging thoughts and ideas one of the things that we see also is that when we have client meetings there are zoom meetings and so 
you know, the entire team can listen in. Mm. Yeah, so we, it's we've been on meetings with 40 plus people, <laughs> you know, as part of the, you know, the, these project team, you know, project meetings. And uh, yeah. it, there is a sort of, um, there's something when, so, when everyone on the team can hear the tone of voice, you know, or, you know, the talk, in terms of a discussion, in terms of what are the hot points or what's really appreciated from within the work, it, it, it's helped us. There are aspects that I deeply miss about being in the studio, which has to do with sort of the chance encounters and the sort of day-to-day pleasant surprises and the small sort of touch points that I deeply, well, you know, I'm very much can't wait for that day when we can come back together in that way. But I think that we've also learned that there are many new ways that we can work and, and utilize tools to work remotely, including, you know, job, you know, site visits and, and other things that may or may not have to be done in person. So the office is in New York City, and that is one of the more challenging places in the country to try and figure out how to get everyone back to offices and and back to studios and how they're going to get there safely. Tell me what you're you're thinking about come the fall, I'm assuming. The thing of most importance is everyone's health and safety. Um, You know, the, our studio itself is, is reasonably spread out. So I don't think the issue is, is so much our own workplace where all our desks happen to be six feet away from one another um conveniently (laughs) conveniently so we're almost with 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 a few tweaks we'll we'll, you know social separation social distancing you know is easily achieved within our studio but it's getting people to and from work Mm. which is i think the real issue and when will people feel you know comfortable and there are aspects of our work that uh, really benefit from being done in a studio setting as we're pulling together pallets of materials and, and, and working on them. We need the actual physical materials and, and gathering around that table, you know, and, and working through that is, is a key part of what we have to do. Um, you know, trying to figure out ways, you know, if we, you know, as, as people come back into the studio, how do we do it? Do we do teams come together? you know, at, at the moments when it's important for teams to be together. Uh, so those are all things that we're, that we're starting to, to think about. We're taking a quick break to remind you about Industry West and its amazing trade program. This company has helped furnish stunning office, restaurant, and hospitality spaces throughout North America. Industry West trade program allows its team to collaborate with interior designers, architects, restaurateurs, hoteliers, and business owners to expedite all of your projects and trade needs. From trade discounts to an industry-best warranty, Industry West is built to work with designers on amazing projects. Check them out at industrywest.com and click on the Trade Program button on their site to create your account today. And now, back to the show. You, you mentioned earlier uh, growing the business and, and moving towards uh, more residential work over, over time. Has residential become a, a big part of the, of the work that you all do these days? Yeah, it has. We've been, we've uh, have a kind of robust practice focused around private residential work. We've also grown um, into the multifamily area and bringing some of our hospitality sort of point of view into those settings has been very interesting in the sense of, you know, creating you know, unit plans that, that unfold, you know, like a wonderful hotel suite would. Mm. <laughs> That's, um, you know, as opposed to sort of something which is more sort of structurally driven by buildings and, you know, 
a, a different kind of logic, but it's sort of user-centric logic that is um, sensitive to people's how people emotionally experience spaces. It's it's inter- it's interesting. Is is residential? Is it is it more challenging for you? Is it is it less so? I mean, so so often when we talk to residential designers, they they tell us their dream is to get that one big hospitality project so they can flee these clients and be done with them forever. And <laughs> the grass is always greener, isn't it? So, <laughs> much, so much brighter on the other side of that. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how is it for, for you? Is it, is it more challenging? Is it... Uh, Again, we're not after world domination in this <laughs> side of the world. We're just looking for you know um, people who, um, who who share our uh, point of view around right. how one lives, um, and we've developed really wonderful relationships with our residential clients. We have uh, most of them are repeat clients, which is really interesting, and I think a lot of that comes from you know our service model. Mm. And thinking about how we we work with them, and if someone wants something a certain way in their home, um, we shouldn't necessarily be ones to <laughs> deny them that we should. But but how we can elevate every aspect of it through design—that is that's their common mission, and that's, that is what we love to do. As a, as a CEO, Ed, I wonder: is residential work does it does it carry with it sort of a, a different margin structure or profitability versus commercial work, or or how does it sort of add up on the ledger that you keep? Well, it it, it can be. We don't, you know, we're not after like a, a given margin for any 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 type of, mm. of work. You know, we're I think what we're interested in doing is um, providing the best service that we can often with the sense, with the knowledge that um, most of our clients are repeat clients because of the service piece. So whether we're working with them on something that's large today, you know, whether we've made a step with them and, and are now taking on something more ambitious, those are all things, you know, I think one has to always think about you know, how our interactions today lead to other things in the future. We keep having these discussions today because everyone's been forced to be home for this extended period of time, uh, that that people are discovering their homes anew, whether they're discovering shortcomings or they're discovering that they they don't know how to use that rather elaborate oven that they installed. Uh, I wonder what 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 you're hearing from from clients, and and perhaps even what you're discovering your yourselves being being at home during this time. That very complicated oven that you talked about. Mm. Basically, I I don't want them anymore. I want the <laughs> basics. Just A B C is fine. <laughs> Put it on off, but uh, keep simple. Keep things simple if you can. Clearly, make the best of every moment because inevitably things will go wrong. We've had bad news during these these during these days we've had great news and each one of those moments has to be treasured and we should not forget what we've learned during this period because i think everyone has in some way i think it's been really interesting to see how and we have such you know incredible colleagues and to see how each of us has had to work through some of the challenges of work from home and as we think about our own home spaces creating things that um can be multifunctional because we hadn't really been thinking in my household, at least that we would need a place for four of us to work at home. And so how do we transform our 
homes into sort of workplaces. And I, for one, haven't managed that aspect of being able to turn away from that computer in the corner in the evening, you know, as, as you know, work looms. Um, and so I think there's a lot of interesting thoughts that will go into how we conceive of the, the homes that we're working on, you know, in terms of um, spaces that um, are multifunctional. Well, and, and as Alexandra was just saying, it, it seems as if many people are just reaching for a, a, a greater simplicity during this time, mm-hmm. right? Just things a little less complicated. I, I think one, one needs to really try to do that. But I, do, I have learned something else. I mean, this is interior design at work. But if you can make your, your studio apartment, your whatever, whatever size home you live in, the most attractive to your eye and to your mind, I think it's important to do it. It could be done with a can of paint. It could have been done. But I, I think one should endeavor to make it more and more friendly and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because you can put a computer in a beautiful room and you're much happier working at it if that you're in a cellar or an unpleasant corner of your house, of your home or something. That, that mm. If you can put yourself in a good situation, it sort of, it, it, it all comes together. It's less of a, it, 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 it doesn't emerge as, as oh gosh, it's work. It, it, it diffuses it if you're in a very beautiful space. The word happy is important. The, be- the beauty, happiness, fresh air, um, or air coming, I mean, ventilation, lighting, just make sure that all of those things, as much of comfort as possible. Make your bed every morning, please. First yes, thing. is that one of your suggestions, <laughs> is to make the bed? To start Without the bed? any doubt. When it goes, it gets worse. My suggestion gets worse. It tells me, people ask me all the time, they tell me what is the most important thing in a bedroom, what it, either a hotel or at home. I said, iron sheets. Now, I don't expect you to go and iron your sheets, but I do. <laughs> and but you when do. You, when you have crisp white sheets mm. and you come to your room and you see that, you say, oh, my goodness, this is pristine and it's ready for me. And you go running for it boom. If it was a disheveled big lump, I think I would have thought twice about sitting on the chair where I was and not going to get up and going into bed. That's what I'm telling you. Iron sheets make the day. Iron it's sheets the simple the things in life, right? <laughs> well, ironing yeah. is very cathartic. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to bring that up with my lovely wife after this call and I'm going to tell her that you, you, you insisted uh, that the sheets be ironed and I'll, I'll see how that goes and I'll, I'll report back. Well, well, I didn't say it had to be she that was going to be ironing. <laughs> no, no. How about you? No, I imagine it would be me in that scenario. Absolutely. <laughs> My wife would no more be ironing the sheets than going to the moon, but uh, I, think, I think she would love the idea of it. So, uh, oh, she would. I promise <laughs> you. And the reality yes. too. So find a way. You might not have. Maybe, you know, it's one of those things you, you ask for Christmas. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so curious. You, you mentioned about sort of spaces making people happier. And I, I, I feel as if everyone is, is going to come out of this time uh, in one way or, or another uh, somewhat 
somewhat traumatized, somewhat impacted by by all of this time. And I'm and I'm wondering what design can do to to make people feel safer, happier. How do you how do you translate that into into design? At the end of the day, nothing really has changed about the power of design, right? That's still something that we we have. Um, so you know, we, I mean, we're firm believers that design is about sort of engaging people's emotions and spaces, bringing charm to life uh, and um, uh, joy, ultimately. Uh, so, I mean, that's part of our, how we see our sort of mission <laughs> going forward. That's what we're all about. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alexandra, it, it, it sounds as if you, you don't think that, that a great deal is going to, to change coming out of this in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of design and in terms of the, of, of the kinds of projects that you're, that you're going to be doing, though it sounds like you're imagining yourself uh, perhaps traveling less and, and perhaps not having to work quite as hard in the, in the years ahead. We need to make a, a world cleaner, more, more healthy to live in. Of course, all of that matters enormously. But I don't think we're going to suddenly have abandon all restaurants or no, that well, everything is going to adapt in its own way. I think we, we must ponder things carefully and make our decisions creatively as always. And there's a part for us for the future, but I don't think it's a panic. I don't, I think common sense will prevail. Well, that's a, that's a very uplifting message to, to leave us on. So I, I thank you very much. And I, and I appreciate you both making the time to, to talk with us. Ed, Alexandra, thank you so much. Pleasure's mine. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest news, visit us online at businessofhome.com. A quick announcement. Right now, we're hosting weekly community webinars with experts from around the industry. They're available only to members of the BOH Insiders Program, so be sure to sign up on the site. And finally... If you have thoughts or a story of your own to share, please drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. This show was produced by Fred Nikolaus and Marina Felix. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next week.